You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Okay, I'm going to invite you to grab your seats. What a beautiful day it is and a beautiful time in the the house. Thank you, uh, Brad and team for leading us. And I got to say, they're showing tremendous grace because, especially Brad, because he's a worship leader, um, I'm filling in on drums and, you know, Drums is technically my first instrument, but I got to tell you, it doesn't feel like my first instrument right now. And so they're showing a lot of grace and it's fun um, ministering and playing with the team. So thank you team for including me today. I want to welcome those who are joining us uh, virtually as well. You know, sometimes I forget to say hello to you and those who are unable to be with us. So we're glad that you're, uh, you're with us here today. We're going to jump right back into 1 Kings um, as kind of a conclusion to our series, If I Only Knew Then What I Know Now, but really essentially wrapping up this, this story, this narrative of Elijah and the work of God in his life. And we're going to see here today as we get into chapter 19, we're going to find the prophet Elijah has been going through a challenging time in his life. And he's seen God work mightily through him, but now now he is at a crossroads, and what many have called, maybe have a, you know, um, uh, a study Bible or a commentary at home, and maybe some have commented in saying, you know, in the section, chapter of Scripture, that Elijah has an episode of depression. He's, he's down. And as we look into the cause of this a little further, uh, I believe this afternoon we'll draw lessons from the passage um, that not only is truth, but by the power of the Spirit, it'll resonate with us and encourage us and mold us here together to hear his ministering voice. So I'm going to encourage you to turn there to 1 Corinthians, or sorry, 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, verse 1, it says, Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And at this point, Elijah has defeated 850 prophets of Baal and they have been put under the sword. He continues on and saying here in the, in the account, then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. And he said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly, an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked and there was at his head a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. 
that on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God, and he entered a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. You know, as we look to this part of Scripture, there's a lot that's happening here, and I think you can appreciate and understand our, our big idea, our walkaway point for today is this. In the grind of life, it's important to take time. It's important to take time to slow down and listen to the voice of God so we can be recharged. He's not the author of the chaos. He's certainly not the author of the desolation that you're facing in your life, but he can certainly make his presence known to you through it all. He will certainly make his presence known to you through it all. Romans 8, 16, 17, one of my favorite verses says this, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs of God and heirs with Christ, so if indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified with him. You know, we experience suffering. We do experience heartache. Even at times it can feel like desolation in this world, but it says for us not to lose heart, that if we suffer with him, we will also be glorified with him. And what I love about this, this food for the soul, is the Holy Spirit is reminding of this, even in this moment, is prompting us, reassuring us, nudging us in our moments going forward. You know, as I was studying this week, it reminds me of a time in my life. In 2016, there was a time where I can resonate with Elijah that I was in a sort of desolate place. I felt empty. I felt unhappy to an extent because I found myself with no ministry prospects. I mean, if you're here today and you've ever been in a place where there's no work and you want to work, you're not like one of those people who just likes to sit around and chill. It can be a very difficult, empty, lonely place to be. And in that time of transition, I was asking like many of you, Lord, what's your plan in all this? What's your will in all this? Because I don't understand. And sometimes I'm like, man, I just want to give up. I feel like I'm going up a mountain all the time. And so in this season, I felt the Lord touch me very similar to Elijah. And so I got on my computer and I'm using the hand gestures. My wife always teases me about it, but I'm a very animated person. And so I went on the computer and I grabbed the mouse and I started typing in counseling. And it drew me to a program at Yorkville University. And I became uh, drawn to inquiring about their uh, MACP program, their Masters of Counseling and Psychology. And so to make a long story short, I enrolled in this program, went through all the steps and got accepted and began this training in a new field of study. Mind you, it was distance education. I didn't uproot my family and take off to New Brunswick because the East Coast does not fit with me, okay? If you understand, you've been in the East Coast, very different from Ontario, a little slower in some regards. But nonetheless, I began this, uh, this prospect of not only maybe supplementing my ministry and skill set, 
but perhaps a whole new field of vocation as a psychotherapist. And so in many respects, you could see as a man, it's bringing back memories right now. It was a chaotic time because it was very unknowable what was going to take place. What would the future hold? Because of the weight of, you know, being a, a husband, being a father, and essentially a provider. You know, we've all been there where because of maybe whatever's happened in your life, we are wondering, how am I going to provide? And so as I'm sitting in a house, thank the Lord, it was a new house at the time, and saying, Lord, how am I going to pay the mortgage? You know, how is this all going to roll out? So again, I began to seek the Lord and said, Lord, if this is the direction you have for me, give me the strength to see it through because there's a lot of things that are happening in this program that are being discussed that I do not fully understand, but I appreciate. And if you want me to go through this to apply it to my ministry, I'm all in. And so here as I, you know, continue to engage in this program, I want to make it clear, our family continued to attend church. We continued to faithfully serve in the local church as we waited for the voice of God to direct us on next steps. And so while I was involved in this program, perhaps some of you are sitting here today and you understand a few of the things I'm going to share with you, I began to be very appreciative of the, the psychotherapy process. And I actually wrote a few notes here to explain the one area that really stuck out to me that can apply to us as believers as we look at the story of Elijah, and that is having protective factors in your life. You know, if you talk to a physician, you talk to a psychologist, they'll say protective factors in one's life contributes to the, your ongoing health. It, 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 and it, it insulates you against negative outcomes, so to speak. And so I write here in my notes as I'm looking back to 2016, it's like hopping a time machine, reading my own writing, and I, I wrote this. Protective factors are elements from a biopsychosocial perspective that are within an individual social environment to enhance resilience and reduce the likelihood of negative outcomes in the face of adversity or stress. Enhance and reduce the likelihood of negative outcomes in the face of adversity or stress. So here this program was speaking and ministering to my own heart in real time because I was facing some adversity. I was stressed because I'm a husband, a father, I'm a provider. And I acknowledge the protective factors, the importance of these in my own life. And when we look to the account of 1 Kings 19, from a biological standpoint, we see that Elijah had put his body on the line. He was exhausted. Psychologically, he was terribly discouraged and negative, understandably, because of the threat on his life. And then the social-emotional part, he believed he was the only faithful one left. He really believed this, even though Obadiah, the governor of Obadiah, had successfully hit a hundred other prophets and ones who revered the Lord. And so he had this skewed perspective to the point in verse 4 where he goes on to say, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And so we see that after this mountaintop experience, you know, after Elijah experienced his great victory, that this threat, he became fixated on this threat, and he just went in this downward spiral of negativity. He forgot what God is bringing him through. He forgot what God had done, has done through him. 
and also how he achieved wonders through other God-fearing people. But I think if you were here today, well, you are here today, but if you were to really relate to this passage, you would say, Elijah wasn't a failure. That's what happens when you're reading your notes, literally. Elijah wasn't a failure. He wasn't alone. But the Lord of heaven's armies was with him. But this skewed perspective, this this negativity, if you will, it fueled this self-imposed isolation and that his resiliency had reached its end and needed a recharge. It says here, right at the beginning, after this threat, it says that he left his servant at Beersheba and went on his way. This is the problem. When we isolate ourselves from the family of God, we begin to continually, continually fuel the very things that God would not have a seed in our life because we don't have that encouragement from our brothers and sisters in Christ. But as we see from this passage and chapter, God saw he was not unaware, was he? There's times we feel like, God, are you watching? Are, are, are you, do you see my life story and what's happening here? I'm serving you, Lord. Where are you? And we can see from this encounter that the angels of the Lord, they arrived on the seed and they ministered to Elijah so that he would have the strength to journey 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb. And so if you're taking notes, I don't want you to miss this part because, wow, did I find this so impactful. If you know Hebrew, you, you're probably going to get this right off the bat. But in Hebrew, the word for Horeb means desolation. So for him to go to Mount Horeb, it was fitting because Elijah was in a place of desolation. He was at a lowly point and at the place of Mount Horeb, he would go and interact and encounter the very presence of God where he would be ministered, he would be nourished and be encouraged in his soul and his thought life. Mount Horeb was the very place where God ministered to Moses through a burning bush, the very place where God affirmed his covenant with his people, allowing them to behold his glory. And it was that very place, if you can imagine this, it was the place where God not only spoke to Moses and the Israelites, but he set them apart as a nation. We're told in Genesis 22 and Exodus 3 that God set them apart not only as a nation, but a kingdom of priests, which means they had intimate access to God to be a blessing to the world. What did the Lord say to Abraham? He says that you, your seed will be numerous like the sand of the seashore and they'll be a blessing to the world. And so what is striking about this journey besides all the obvious reasons is that Elijah's desolation was gonna be exchanged for hope at that very place. That place where he was empty, he was facing destruction, And so he turned to the one and only person who could give him true refuge, and that was Lord Almighty. Psalms 46.1, you know it well. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who was always found in times of trouble. Always found in times of trouble. You know, if you remember the story of Moses and the burning bush where within the flames, the bush didn't catch fire and God spoke to Moses 
to that experience. It was an incredible display of his majesty and power. But here, for Elijah, God didn't speak from that position of this display of power. He spoke and ministered to him in a soft whisper. He goes on here in the account and says in verse 11, Go out, Elijah, and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by, and a great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. God revealed himself, his very presence to Elijah from that position of a soft whisper. And sometimes you could perhaps make the mistake and say that God only speaks in the silence. He only speaks in a gentle whisper. That's not what he's showing. He speaks in both displays of wonder and majesty, but you can be assured that after the midst of the chaos, he is there in the silence when no one else is there and he's speaking to your heart. And then there's times in the silence when he actually can get a hold of you and truly minister to you for that next steps, that life change. So God ministers to Elijah. He goes on and says to him, suddenly he spoke to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Again, he's asked him, what are you doing here? He's coaching him. If you can understand like a good psychotherapist, he's listening and now he's offering some next steps. So tell me how you feel. He's saying, Lord, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah says the same thing again. I've been very zealous for the Lord, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I am woman left, and they're looking for me to take my life. And so then the Lord said to him, go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you are to anoint Hazel as king over Aram. And so God gives him these, these next steps. And what I want to emphasize is a few takeaway points here with us this afternoon is this. God is showing us, speaking to us today, that he desires to make his presence known to each of us. He desires to meet you in the nitty gritty. He desires to engage you on an intimate level, to engage in conversation. And so be open to the prompting of his voice. What are you doing here, Ron? Good to see you, by the way. <laughs> I want to invite you in a little bit of an exercise, if you will. If you can, if you feel comfortable, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. I would, but I do need to read what I, what I wrote. And I invite you in that moment just to relax and imagine you're hiking in a dense forest. You come across a mighty wind tearing through the trees followed by that powerful earthquake that's shaking the very ground beneath you. And then a roaring fire consumes the surrounding vegetation and area. And amidst the chaos, you suddenly hear a gentle whisper. And that very whisper captures your attention, bringing with it peace, and comfort despite the tumultuous circumstances. And in that moment, 
everything fades away. The threats on your life, the, the affliction, the adversity, the stress, because you know that God cares for you and that he is with you. Now open your eyes. That very exercise you go through when you're going through life and you're facing a, a dark time, you can learn from this passage of scripture when you're going through the, the, the nature, the wonder that God of his creation has made for us to enjoy his presence is the very place that he has made for you to engage him, for you to encounter him in his whisper and his voice. We're told in scripture that the heavens and the firmament thereof are a mark of his handiwork, drawing us to him. But take for a moment, how did Elijah respond? How did he respond? It said, when he heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went outside and stood at the entrance of the cave. And so I believe that what can minister to us here this afternoon is this, that we need to be attentive, not to close it out, but be attentive to God's subtle nudges, his gentle whispers in the midst of the mighty displays. God is always working. If God was shifting Elijah's perspective, will he not also shift yours? Every day, the prayer of our heart should be, Lord, shift, realign my perspective that I'm aligned with yours, seeing things from your point of view and not from mine only. And so we see here in verse 15 to 17, God is offering um, Elijah, if you will, a glimpse of his plan because God always has a plan. He goes on to say, look, you're going to go ahead and you're going to anoint King Hazel and, and you're going to anoint Jehu as king of Israel because Jehu, if you don't know this part of history, that he would be used by God to exact his punishment on the house of Ahab for engaging in idol worship and encouraging the people of God to do the same. And so God is balancing the scales. And in fact, because of Elijah's prayer that his mantle would be passed from him, to Elisha. And this should encourage us here this afternoon. Jeremiah 29, 11, His plan for us is always to give us a hope and a future. A hope and a future. You know, Elijah could have thought truly in his heart because he was in a, a low plate thinking, this is it. This is the end. God, I'm ready to die. A lot of times we've, you know, we equally we've been in that place. We've wanted to give in because of the daily grind. Maybe like Elijah, you felt very zealous, but you felt emotionally exhausted. Negativity has set in. And it's in those moments we need to turn to the Lord and be attentive to his gentle whisper. Thank you, Jesus. My final takeaway as we wrap up here this afternoon is this. Elijah's encounter with his prayer, he's showing us that God will never force your next steps. You know, this is something we, we believe in the sovereignty of God, but we're not mindless drones that are just walking the face of the earth, just programmed to act and function in a, a predetermined way. 
He's given us free will. There's emotion. There's aspects in which we are growing and becoming more like Christ. It's a journey. It's a process. That's what spiritual formation is. That's what regeneration is all about. And so when you think about the graciousness and love of God, that when Elijah asks for death, it shows us not only is God attentive to all our prayers, but thank God that he doesn't answer all of them. (laughs) That's it, God, I'm giving up. Strike me down. (sighs) Hey, Jesus, I'm here a little earlier than I thought. Well, you said. God knew Elijah's motivations. He knew that they were motivated by his physical, mental, and emotional exhaustion. But God gave him the very thing that he needed, his attention, and to be ministered to by his gentle whisper. Psalm 34, 4 tells us this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And he rescued me from all my fears. You know, God hears. More importantly, he is faithful to give us what we need, not always what we write to him in that prayer. So my encouragement for you this afternoon is to learn from Elijah. Learn to be attentive to his voice, to desire what God knows you need, to not be caught up in the frustration, to, you know, to get your sleep, to take time to recharge, and most assuredly, don't be quick to abdicate your calling. Because God is not going to force you to move forward. And that's the beautiful aspect of a relationship with God compared to any other religion of, of faith out there, because God is one who desires to be praised, desires to be worshipped, but he never forces it. in our fast-paced, noisy lives. Let's be ready to take time to settle down and to listen for God's still voice when we feel overwhelmed, when we're in a desolate state, remembering that God is our refuge and he will deliver you from all your fears. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the promise of your living word that when we seek you, that you hear, that you're attentive, and that you deliver us. Lord, we make no mistake that there's aspects in life that we learn and we grow And it's through even those pruning seasons, Lord, we can see the greatest of growth. It's not enjoyable in the time, but Lord, we thank you that you are present through it all, present in it all. We thank you, Lord, for the mighty displays of your your majesty all around us. We thank you how you move supernaturally. And we also thank you that in the aftermath of all that we face, Lord, that you are still there in the silence. Holy Spirit, minister to us. Thank you that whether we're asleep or awake, that you are with us and we are with you. Lord, we're mindful that the enemy of our souls would have us just to 
pack up. When we face adversity, when we face struggle, you would have us just to give up. Lord, we thank you, the lessons from Elijah, even one that you would bless with incredible power by your spirit, that even he was susceptible. And in doing things in himself, and maybe in being zealous in himself, the Lord showed as much as he needed you, that we need you also. Move over us, Lord. Speak to our hearts in this place, the sanctuary, this place of refuge. We thank you that you are here right now. I encourage you just in this place of prayer, wherever you're um, joining here today, just take these next few moments and just listen. Listen for what the voice of the Lord would say to you today.